again and welcome everybody back to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 81, and it is a special one. It is our favorite episode of the season. It is tournament edition. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Moon. And Peyton, we got screwed out of it last year, but if you go back to our very first year of 2019, our tournament preview breakdown special was the highest viewed, highest listened to episode in podcast um, in our podcast history. We are looking to break that record tonight with episode 81, but we are finally here in a time we did not know for uncertainties. The season started late, but we are finally have arrived in CAA tournament action. What a time. Yeah, after last year's heartbreak of getting cut short of the tournament, literally like a couple of days, I think it was like a Friday or a Thursday, um, conference tournaments was getting played. And then all of a sudden we got the sad news of the tournament was canceled, basically meaning the rest of the season was canceled. So didn't get a crown of champion. I, I literally just went back yesterday and listened to that show of us reviewing like the whole season and letting our thoughts be known on the situation of hand. I am very thankful and blessed that we are here day breaking down this tournament because like you said a couple years ago our first time doing this um it was a lot of fun i was definitely very nervous for it because never done something like this before and yeah we broke records have over like 600 views downloads what you want to call them and uh it was just insane that's still our highest um viewed episode hopefully this can get up to at least close to those numbers maybe break it Well, not not just that. You also got to take back to 2019. We were just barely over 100-some members. We were still in a growing process, but we were only at the time in like 16 countries. We are now in over 33. Um, At that time, we hadn't reached all 50 United States. And plus, we actually, it was the downloads and listens were over 600, but the the podcast views, because you remember we went live at – Premier Giants, yeah. that got over thousands of views throughout multiple feeds. I think it total ended up over like 8,000 views with all the downloads. People went back and listened to the audio podcast version of it. So it did big time numbers for a startup company. We are looking to shatter that tonight. Um, very, very excited. Peyton, let's just go ahead and delve right into the tournament. Um, actually, beforehand, I forgot because I was just so wrapped up doing my research. I forgot we traditionally do our in-season awards. I'll catch mine up on the next episode or I'll reveal them just on Facebook. You go ahead and tell everybody your in-season awards. Yeah, so basically, I don't have like my all-name team or anything like that because most of those or we combine for those. But I have my ECB All-Americans and I have our like player awards. So the top point guard is called the Magic Award, Shooting Guard, the Jordan Award, Small Forward, the Larry Bird Award, um, Power Forward is the Cream Award, and then Shaq Award for the center. So starting off with my Magic Award, listen, we didn't make the tournament. I know I can pick guys like Jalen Suggs, but I didn't. I'm going with my boy, Carly Jones, because he's had a hell of a season. 16.8 points per game, nearly five rebounds per game and four and a half assists per game. And he had multiple double-doubles this season. Pretty much pit our team on our back and carried us in games uh, that we beat Duke. And in the Kentucky game, he played his ass off winning that win against Kentucky. So, Carly Jones is my magic award. Um, the Jordan Award goes to Baylor superstar Jared Butler, 
17.1 points per game, 4.8 assists per game, and he's shooting a high percentage, 48.8% from the field. Just a phenomenal player. If Baylor makes it to the Final Four, it's going to be because of him. Next up, Larry Bird Award, A.U. Donsuma, the best closer in college basketball, without a doubt. Nearly 21 points per game, 6.2 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists per game, and shooting 49.6% from the field goal. From the field. Incredible player. He is Illinois star or Illinois sorry, star player. And super excited to watch him ball out in the tournament. My Kareem Award goes to Gonzaga superstar, or at least one of them, Corey Kispert, 19.2 points per game, nearly five rebounds per game, and shooting a very high percentage of 54.4% from the field. Him, alongside Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy, is why Gonzaga is undefeated and why they're the number one overall seed in the tournament. And lastly, this is no surprise here, my Shaq Award goes to Iowa superstar Luca Garza, I think the nation's leading scorer, at least one of them, definitely top five, 23.7 points per game, 8.8 rebounds per game, shooting 54.7% from the field. He's definitely, he's a, he's a fun player to watch. Um, super happy he came back for another year after last year's tournament got cut short. Multiple double-doubles, incredible player. So that's my player awards. Now going on to my ECB All-Americans. Starting off, I just mentioned his name, Luca Garza from Iowa. Next up, A. And from Thugs and is Jared Butler from Bailey. So those are my awards. Yeah, I think I think it's um, pretty obvious. Some years you have debates. I think this year's awards, for the most part, are pretty clear cut. Um, a lot of top talent playing big time. And on Luca Garza, he is top five in the scoring. I'm trying to double check, but I think the Thrums and um, Antoine Davis. But I'm I'm trying to pull it up if it'll actually. Um, yeah, Max Abrams from Oral Roberts actually nation's leading scorer, twenty four point two. Antoine Davis twenty four, and then Luca Garza twenty three seven. Actually, do you know who the highest-scoring freshman <coughs> this season was? Uh, it's probably – I don't think it sucks. Is it Kate Cunningham? No, Cam Thomas. He's fourth uh, in the nation, 22.6. So, big-time, big-time players there. Like I said, I'll reveal mine probably on the Facebook group just because I am so wrapped up doing it. Forgot to forgot to get my awards ready. Um, but, nonetheless, let's – Peyton, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um Oh, no, one other thing. I keep forgetting real quick. Indiana fires um, fires Archie Miller. <laughs> they decide uh, – yeah, a lot of fans obviously have been calling for his head, but it didn't look possible because his buyout was $10 million. Like, that, that's a lot. And they're still paying on Tom Crean's salary at the end. Realistically and realistically, there was probably no way, even though a lot of the fan base wanted him gone, this is the fourth straight year with no NCAA tournament. Although I think they would have made it last year, but they completely collapsed down the stretch with the Romeo Langford team. Remember the final two months, they had like an eight-game losing streak. Um, and then this year, they completely collapsed down the stretch again. A month ago, they were in the tournament, and they collapsed. So he gets fired. Word comes out that two donors, big-time rich donors at IU. Yeah. Um, basically paid the buyout and paying the new coach's salary. So here we sat on March 17th, Indiana, if they were smart, they would 
obviously narrow it down to two to three guys right now, and they have to hit a home run, Peyton. Like IU fans are tra- talking and stirring about this. We've talked about on the pot or um, on the Facebook group. IU has to hit a home run. They can't hit a double. They can't hit a triple. It's got to be a home run. And the list I gave out, and I know a couple of these guys have denied it, but we've heard guys deny it before. I think one of these six coaches IU has to land. My six that they must go after, Chris Beard, Scott Drew, Rick Patino, Brad Stevens, uh, Billy Donovan, who was, who was my sixth man. I don't forgot who John was six. John Beeline. One of, those, one of those six coaches, and again, Stevens just came out and said he has no desire. Patino swears he's staying in Iona. But that's – we'll wait and see on that. But one of those six guys instantly turns IU back into a contender because they recruit, they've been proven winners, they can make in-game adjustments, they develop players, they're superstars in the coaching world. They have to get one of those six. Anything less than that could be good, but not good enough if you're firing Archie Miller and paying the $10 million buyout. You have to hit a home run or else you risk setting your program back another four or five years and IU at this point just can't afford that no not at all they have to get back to the tournament they have to get back to national prominence being one of the top programs in the nation year in and year out like the likes of Kentucky Duke Carolina and Kansas uh they need to get back even Michigan State they need to get back to that level and like you said they need to hit a home run higher um I love your list for those guys um I think you call Scott Drew uh Chris Beard definitely uh, John Beeline, just because we did at Michigan and hell of a coach. And like you said, Rick Bettino, I think as a fan of college basketball, I would love to see Slick Rick in another big time program like Indiana and bring them back. Even though I'm not an IU fan, um, I think it would be very good for him. Even though he said Iona's probably going to be his last stop. Maybe it is, but I strongly doubt that. If he gets another chance of coaching a high level program, or getting back in the Power Six conferences like the Big Ten, then I think he'll accept that job. And also, you cannot tell me if Rick Pitino is a new IU coach that we won't see in a couple of years the Indiana-Kentucky rivalry coming back. I, I strongly I, feel if Pitino gets hired at IU, maybe, maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, that I strongly believe that here very, very soon we'll get to see Kentucky and Indiana renew that rivalry. I, I would think so. I would think so. And, and the good thing about Indiana right now, getting rid of Archie now, is that obviously the NCAA tournament is taking place in the state of Indiana. So all these guys, per, for the most part, are going to be in the state, including John Beeline, because he will be here covering, you know, he's been doing Big Ten work. Um, so I'm sure he'll be here. A lot of the coaches come to the Final Four as like a meetup and all that. So Beeline should be in the, in the area. Um Obviously, Chris Beard and um, Scott Drew will be here coaching their teams. Rick Pitino will be here coaching his team. So all these guys will be. So, like I said, those guys are in state right now. And, you know, you have the opportunity to talk to them. But regardless of what happens, Indiana, if they're making this move, I know the donors are paying. But if they're making this move now, they have to hit a home run higher. They cannot settle. I know Porter Moser is a good coach from the world. I know there's a lot of good coaches like that, but they've got to hit a home run here. Without a doubt. Somebody, whether it's Scott Drew, Chris Beard, Patino, 
somebody, it has to be somebody that can bring them back to national prominence, like I said, and can bring them back very, very quickly and get them in the tournament year in and year out. Um, and competing for Big Ten titles as well. Let's not forget that either. And obviously, they got to beat Purdue at least once. So don't forget that either. So whoever's the next hire has to be a good one. I'm actually very excited to see who Indiana, who's Indiana's next coach will be. Yeah, absolutely. Cannot be losing to <laughs> Purdue. That's unforgivable, especially as many times. Yeah. Um, they've not won since 2017, I think is what it is. So yep. cannot get dominated by Purdue. But nonetheless, let's finally what we're here for today. Let's move on finally to get a talk about the field of 68. Obviously, when it comes to the field of 68, there's teams who do not make it. Con- controversy normally follows this process. The 69th team, the first team that was out and did not make it, to a lot of folks' surprise, Peyton, your Louisville Cardinals got left out, and I almost have to bet it has to do with being on COVID. The breaks killed them. Not getting an opportunity to play those six games that they lost, even though their final record was, I think, what, 13-7, and 14-7? and It was 13-7. 13 and seven, you know, them six games, just say you win three of them. Now you're 16 and 10. That looks better than 13 and seven. Also losing to Duke like that, you know, tough deal. I definitely think they should have got in over a team like Utah State. But nonetheless, they're on the outside looking in. Yeah, four reasons why we didn't make the tournament. Um, First reason, you kind of mentioned it was COVID. Our two losses. Two blowout losses against Wisconsin earlier in the season and like December-ish. Um, yeah, it was December. Um, that loss killed us. We lost by 30 plus. And our second COVID layoff, which we took another like couple weeks layoff. Then we had to play North Carolina and they beat our ass by like 45. So those two losses definitely killed us. North Carolina is not 45 points better than us, and neither is Wisconsin either. Um, so those two losses did not help whatever whatsoever. Second thing is, we should have beat Duke. We should have took care of business and the ACC conference, the tournament. Um, we should have beat Duke for a third time. And then again, I don't care how good or how bad a team is. It's really hard to beat a team three times. Um, and we barely squeaked by Duke in the regular season when we swept them. So I had a feeling going it's coming into that game, we were going to take the L. Unfortunately, we did. And Duke fans are happy because they knocked us out of the tournament. Bastards. Yeah. I just I just hate Duke even more now. But um, and also speaking of Duke, my third reason and probably our last reason is in a year where we sweep Duke in the regular season and we beat Kentucky, they both suck. Yeah, it doesn't count for nothing. Definitely unfortunate timing, isn't it? Yeah, it's very unfortunate. The 69th, man. Like, yeah, and, and you and it became official today that all 68 yeah. teams passed COVID, which is a good thing. I know for you, you maybe because you'd been the first alternate in, but you know, that's not really how you want to get in. No, so, good for all 68 teams to pass the field is set officially, so we're good to roll. But let's go ahead and get into the actual teams that are in the tournament. The four number one seeds Gonzaga, though, overall number one, no doubt about that one, unbeaten, chasing history, first time since 76. The teams went unbeaten. They're trying to chase history. The second number one seed, Baylor. Third number one seed, jumped ahead of this other team. Illinois became the third number one seed. And then the fourth number one is Michigan. Peyton, any qualms on the the top the top lines there? 
Um, three of the number one seeds are correct. Uh, Gonzaga, Baylor, and Illinois. I thought Alabama should have been one seed ahead of Michigan. Michigan's last five games, they lost three of them. So I feel like I know they had a really good um, year being some high-quality teams um, and winning the regular season. But I like to go past or recency, and Alabama's been hot. Um, and in the, did they win the SEC championship? Yeah, they won both. In LSU, yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Um, in Michigan, they got beat in, like, the third round by – who did they get beat by? Uh, Ohio State beat them. Thank you, yeah. Ohio State beat them in a close one. But, yeah, like I said, Michigan, last five games, they lost three. So, I think that should have dropped them to a two seed and bring Alabama up to a one seed. But And and what? don't forget, they will be without, for the foreseeable future at least, yeah. Isaiah Livers. That makes a huge dent in who they are. Like, they yeah. can still score and defend, as we'll get into. But he's a huge cog in that wheel right there. Um, and I'm with you. Alabama should have been a one seed. But they go with Michigan, um, you know, their, their strength. Big Ten winning the Big Ten regular season. They were dominant for the most part. But like I said, they struggled down the stretch, and that's never the time that you want to start struggling. So, but let's go ahead and move into the West, which is where the number one overall seed, Gonzaga, resides. Looking at the bracket, let me pull this up. Looking at the bracket in the West, Peyton, obviously Gonzaga is playing the winner of the 16 play-in, which we played tomorrow night on Thursday. Norfolk State and Norfolk State and Appalachian State. Appalachian State's first time back in the tournament since 2000. Their 21-year journey, they have to try to get a play in, and the reward if they win on Thursday night, they get to play Gonzaga on Saturday. <laughs> I don't think how you slice this, Norfolk State or Appalachian State. I don't think they keep it within 30 against Gonzaga unless the Zags just have an off night. Yeah, here's the thing. I think. For prediction-wise, I think Norfolk State's going to beat Appalachian. Um, I think they're going to beat them. And Norfolk State does have history of upsetting teams, but you're facing the undefeated Gonzaga team with chasing history. So, yeah, I don't think no matter who wins with Appalachian State or Norfolk State, they're going to have to beat by 30, uh, probably more too. So, Gonzaga moves on easily. Yeah, and looking ahead too, of all the regions, I, I Gonzaga got a very favorable draw, in my honest opinion. Um, if you look at it as a whole, teams that have some COVID issues or injury issues or just uh, – there's at least three teams in this bracket. They're the top other three seeds in this, two, three, and four, Gonzaga's already put a whooping in all three of those. So mm-hmm. as we move down, you'll start to notice who they are if you're following along on your tournament bracket. But I, I look as a whole, Gonzaga got a very favorable draw because there's a couple teams out there that could give them scares early in the rounds, but I don't see too many of them in this bracket. No, not at all. As we move down, now this is a tasty <laughs> 8-9 matchup right here. A lot of 8-9s are obviously for a reason because they're, they're so close and can be flip-flop, but this is a juicy, tasty one. You look at number eight, Oklahoma, number nine, Missouri, old Big 12 rivals hooking up again. Got a little history on this one. They last met last year, November 20, number, sorry, November 26th of 2020. Oklahoma winners, 77-66. It was in a... a a uh, holiday tournament over Thanksgiving break. And if you want some history, both teams, we talked about how good Alabama is. Both teams have wins over the Crimson Tide this year. Peyton, before I get into my breakdown of this, you know, the old Big 12 rivalry, Oklahoma wins the meeting last year. Both of them had very good highs. Both of them inside the top 10 this year. This is a juicy matchup, is it not? 
Yeah, without a doubt. And also a little history for you. Anytime a nine seed and a seed go out of it, uh, it's very high chance that a nine seed beats the eight seed. Um, so a little bit of history there for you there. But yeah, I'm very intrigued on this matchup. Let this be known. 37 minutes ago, before we started the recording, Davion Harmon has COVID. He will not be participating in this game. Ooh, good breaking news. I have not seen that. That's a huge blow for Oklahoma. PBS yeah. Sports, they broke the news. I haven't shared it to the group yet. I will in a minute. Um, but yeah, Oklahoma's without one of their best point guards, one of the best players on the team, period, and Davion Harmon. That's going to take a hit. Both teams, not a good three-point shooting team. No, Oklahoma, no, no shooting 33.8% from the three-point line, and Missouri shooting a rough 32% from the three. I think Missouri wins this game because I think they're a way more balanced team. They're 51st in defensive efficiency. Oklahoma's 36, so a little bit better. Um, they're pretty much closer on the offense efficiency. Oklahoma's 53rd, and Missouri's 58th. But Missouri, most of the points come inside the three-point line. Um, they're shooting 52.6% from the two-point line. Without Davion Harmon, I think Oklahoma is going to have a tough battle to overcome here. I think Missouri gets the job done and moves on to the second round to play Gonzaga. I'm glad you mentioned this. The day, and I mean, obviously, because Davion, if you remember, he was my Big 12 freshman of the year last year. I actually befriended his, his parents, very nice people. Um, Davion's had a really good year this year. He stepped up big for the Sooners this year running the point as a sophomore. I actually, on the fly, just made a switch because I originally had Oklahoma moving through, and I made the switch to Missouri because I think it's that much of a difference. If you look at Oklahoma, you talked about both teams do not shoot the three ball well. Oklahoma has the 36th best offense in Ken Palm in the nation, 53rd defense, so they're top 55 in both categories. That's solid. They played in the second-best conference of college basketball this year in the Big 12. Oklahoma, 74.4% from the free throw line, 36th in the nation in a – year especially where the trend is for some reason college teams or college players cannot shoot free throws Oklahoma is a pretty decent free throw shooting team you look at individual players Austin Reeves by far been the the key man for Oklahoma double figures in 21 of the 25 games for the Sooners this year 21 of the 25 games including I think it's like the last nine in a row to end the year I was going to mention Davion Harmon but he's out Brady Manick, we know him as uh, the poor man's Larry Bird looks just like a younger Larry back in uh, the Indiana State days. Yeah. But he, we know him as a pick and pop. He can go inside, but he's frail in the frail body frame. Really good pick and pop, spread you out. Emoja Gibson, the dead-eye sharpshooter for Oklahoma, 41.5% from three. And then a key guy for the Sooners, Kerr Kuath. I, I hope I pronounced his name right. Big man in the middle, 6'10", 7 footish, 8.8% blocks on every defensive possession he's on puts him 36th in the nation. Keep that in mind. Every defensive for I mean, sorry, for every time he's on the floor, he blocks a uh, blocks a shot 8.8% of the time. That is incredibly high. You go to Missouri, 51st in offense, 58 defense, top 60 in both. That's still that's solid as well. You talked about they're a terrible three-point shooting, but they defend the three pretty well. They hold teams at 32.8 three-point percentage. Um, offensively, this is a stat that worries me, and this is why I brought up Kerr Kwath from Oklahoma. Missouri's almost dead last in division college basketball when it comes to offensive possessions that end in a block. 
they get blocked 11.1% of offensive possessions, 321st in the nation. That is incredibly high, yeah, incredibly high. So that's why I bring up Kirk Rath and his block percentage. And conversely, Missouri gets blocked almost as much as anybody in the nation. But you look at Missouri's roster, Peyton, Xavier Penson, Drew Smith, Kobe Brown, Jeremiah Tillman, who was up for SEC Player of the Year, and then Mark Smith. This is a very solid Missouri Tigers team. Um, well coached, you know, get after you defensively. I think the difference in this ballgame now is Davion Harmon gone. Uh, Missouri's guards have a little bit more creativity and less to worry about. I think Missouri squeaks out a very tight one. It'll probably be low scoring if I had to take a guess. Something in the range of the low 60s, probably like 63-60. But it could be still a good ball game. But I think without Davion, that's the difference. Without a doubt. Not having Damon and Harmon is definitely going to hurt them a lot. That's why I think Missouri gets the job done and moves on to the second round. As we move down the bracket, the 5-12 matchup, always a juicy upset choice <laughs> right here. Number five, Creighton. Number 12, the UC Santa Barbara Gauchos. Yeah. All tournaments, the all-tournament team name right there, the Gauchos. Peyton, what do you got on Creighton versus uh, you know UC Santa Barbara? And should the Blue Jays be on upset alert? I – a lot of people, I've been watching a lot of Bracketology, a lot of bracket breakdowns uh, from a lot of people on YouTube and analysts as well. And a lot of them is picking this upset. They think you see Santa Barbara's going to get their job done against Creighton. I just don't see it. Normally, I pick a five over tw- or 12 over five. I have one later on in the show. But this is one I'm not going to pick. I actually think Creighton wins. Their offense is just too good for Santa Barbara to handle. 14 for an offensive efficiency for Creighton. Uh, 14th in effective field goal percentage, uh, 28th in turnover percentage, and they shoot the lights out from three-point line, 49th in the nation, 36 or yeah, 36.7% from the three-point line, and they shoot a good uh, percentage inside the three-point line, 56.3. I just think the offense is going too much for Santa Barbara to handle. Zegowski is going to have a good game. He's a superstar. Superstar, sharpshooter, shooting 41% from the three-point line. I just don't know if Santa Barbara has anyone that can contain him. Therefore, I think Creighton cruises past Santa Barbara into the second round. And let's not forget, too, Duke transfer. Alex O'Connell's with the Blue Jays been lighting it up, too. If you remember, he was a didn't get a whole lot of playing time at Duke, but when he did, he was knocking down shots, and he's done the same at Creighton. Uh, I favor Creighton in this matchup as well, but if you want to know why people are picking this upset – you look at UC Santa Barbara, they shoot 35% from the three-point line. That's always a recipe for upsets. When it comes to smaller versus bigger, teams normally shoot the three well. 35% from three, pretty decent percentage. And their 12 of their 26 games, they've had at least eight made threes. Again, the competition out there is not what you'd see in the, in the uh, Big East where Creighton's at. But still, that's impressive. I mean, it shows they have shooters. And almost half of their games this year, they've hit at least eight threes or more. They are 39th in the nation when it comes to steal percentage. 11.1% of defensive possessions end in a steal. They're quick with their hands. They shoot gaps well. Creighton has to be wary of non – or, you know, just basically take care of the basketball. And the guy to watch out for if you're watching the Gauchos for the upset, Jaquari McLaughlin – 32.4% assist rate, 43rd in the nation. Peyton, we talked about Kentucky this year, how they had a hard time sharing the ball, even getting a couple assists. Jaquari McLaughlin, 
on 32, we'll basically we'll just round it down, 32% of his possessions with the ball in his hands ends in an <clears> assist. <throat> That's a high, high rate. Puts him 43rd in the nation. You see Santa Barbara, you can kind of tell why people, you know, favor this upset. If Creighton doesn't come out with intensity, if Santa Barbara can start draining from three like they've been known to do and shooting gaps, you know, uh, this could get oh, if they can get a lead, this could stretch away from if Creighton overextends himself too much. Yeah, I can definitely see why people are predicting this upset. I just think Creighton's offense is too much. Zagorowski's too much. He's not a phenomenal game, and he's going to be tough to contain in this tournament. So I have Creighton moving on to the second round. Yeah, as I, I do, <clears throat> I moving down the four thirteen matchup. The Virginia Cavaliers, the 13-seeded Ohio Bobcats. I'll take the first volley here because this is my first. This is my first upset of the tournament. A lot of people are going to think I'm crazy because Virginia's pedigree. They are still the reigning defending national champions. I know at the end of the year they obviously they got knocked out of the ACC tournament because of COVID, but they they've been so up and down, and we favored them to be one of the top teams in America this year. And they showed some glimpses of it. They had Sam Hauser start to play better, but then he didn't. It, it tucked them a buzzer beater from freshman Reese Beekman to knock out Syracuse in the ACC tournament. I'm favoring Ohio in this because we've talked about it time and time again. How do you beat the pack line, especially the way Virginia plays? When you got to shoot the three ball well. Once you start hitting threes, then you got to have guys who can dribble, drive, and finish at the rim or create a, you know opposite side three-point attempts, right? Ohio has a superstar on their team. Jason Preston, if you do not know the, this junior's name, Jason Preston, he is a walking triple-double stat sheet stuffer. He plays 39, basically 34 minutes per game, 53% from the field, 41% from three, average of 6.8 rebounds, 7.2 assists, 1.6 of steals, and 16.6 points per game. He is a stat sheet stuffer. Plays at the point guard spot and does it all. Decent defender, but he is a walking triple-double at any given night. Ohio as a team, 29th best offense in college basketball. 13th best effect, or effective field goal percentage at 55.8. 56 and three point percentage shooting roughly almost 37% from three and 11th in the nation on inside the arc at 56%. This is a dangerous Ohio team. Watch them a couple conference, watch them in the Mac championship um, last weekend. Jason Preston is a star. I think if he can get going, especially if he gets his teammates involved, Virginia is in trouble and you know, they struggle. We watch them at their first loss. If you remember, they, got down and got beat by San Francisco because San Francisco hit 12 threes on them and they struggle to come back. If Ohio could control the tempo, get ahead of the pack line. And when they get in against the pack, sorry, <laughs> if they can get in their sets in the half court and get to their spots and start knocking down threes and then open up the dribble drive for guys like Preston as effective as they are inside the paint and the way they shoot it from outside. This is the prototypical team to knock down Virginia. The only thing Virginia has on them is size on the inside, but that's negated real quick. If Ohio plays ahead of the defense, this is my first episode of the tournament, Ohio over Virginia. Sound the damn alarms for you, at least not for me. I think Virginia goes to the second round. Here's why Josh. Normally when we talk about Virginia teams, 
uh, especially here in like the past five years or really the past decade. Um, what's the main thing they're pretty much good at that we always talk about? Their defense. Not this year. They have no. uh, and their offense is ranked twelfth in the nation in offense efficiency according to Ken Palm. Their defense, still got good defense, is ranked thirty third. It's very rare that their defense is that low. And basically, according to Ken Palm, means their offense is better than their defense, which is very rare for me to say out loud. But it's pretty much true, especially if you look at the stats here. 11th in the effective of field goal percentage. They take care of the ball very well. 15th in turnover percentage. They're third in free throw percentage. 81.7% from the free throw line. Incredible. One of the best free throw shooting teams in the nation. They're 20th and two-point percentage. Not only that, they're shooting a very high percentage from three, 38.1%, which is 16th in, according to Ken Palm, in the nation. I like this Ohio squad. I cannot believe I'm getting ready to say this, especially when we're talking about Virginia. I think with both of the offenses being very, very good, Virginia has a good defense, I think this might be a shootout. I think this might be in the high 70s. I cannot believe I'm saying that. I cannot believe these words are coming out of my mouth when I'm talking about Virginia, but their offense is actually pretty damn good. And that difference between the San Francisco loss until now and the San Francisco loss, they struggled to hit shots. The offense was not fluid. It's changed uh, over the year or over this past year. Um, incredible offensive team. And I actually think Virginia gets the job done and moves on to the second round in a close, close game. But I am excited to watch that game. Yeah, I think that's a that's a sleeper right there. Um, moving on, six eleven matchup could be very interesting because the six seeds, the USC Trojans, playing the play-in winners between Wichita State and Drake. Both of them barely squeaking in ahead of Louisville as a play-in game. Um, I really don't think it matters who wins that matchup. Although both shoot the three pretty well, I think USC is underrated as all hell. I know they were in the Pac-12. I know they were kind of up and down, but Peyton. They've got maybe the number one player in the draft coming up in Evan Mobley. They've got his brother, Isaiah Mobley. This is a team in USC that can get up and down. They want to play a fast-paced offense. They're long. They are very long, can block shots. I don't think it matters who wins between um, Wichita and Drake. I think USC handles them comfortably and moves on to the second round. Yeah, I agree. Evan Mobley is a superstar. He's going to be a top three pick in the NBA draft coming up this year and phenomenal player. And like you said, they got an underrated defense. Uh, they're only giving up their second and two point percentage given up. It's only given like 42.2%. Um, so yeah, I think this USC squad, no matter who wins, which is whether it's Drake or Wichita state, they're getting bounced because USC is moving on. Yeah. And we talk about block percentage real quick. USC's 18th in the nation blocking 13.6% of possessions on defense um good good luck scoring against usc yeah with that with, agreed uh the next matchup three kansas 14 eastern washington i know kansas is potentially at least in the first round will be without jalen wilson david mccormack is um he's iffy but i still think with those kansas will grit it out away even if it's close it might be close eastern washington could surprise a little bit but I, I think this first-round matchup, regardless, Kansas can find a way to move on to the next round and set up a matchup with USC. Yeah, I agree. Losing Jalen Wilson is going to hurt potentially David Cormack, um, but still Kansas has too much firepower. Bill Self's a hell of a coach, as we all know, a Hall of Famer, and I Kansas is going to move on. 
the seven ten matchup in the West region. This is a juicy one. I know you have a lot on it, so I'll let you take the first volley. But it's seven Oregon ten VCU. This is a this is a toss em up right here. Without a doubt, we have offense versus defense. This is a matchup I am very excited to watch. Oregon's ranked sixteenth in offensive efficiency, seventy sixth in defensive efficiency. They're ranked thirty first in effective field goal percentage. Uh, they're shooting a very high percentage, 37.9% from three, which is ranked 19th according to Ken Palm. And they're shooting the high percentage inside the paint, 52.9%. For, for, I almost said Virginia. For VCU, 12th in defensive efficiency, 4th in block percentage, 3rd in steal percentage. Offense versus defense, I am very excited for this matchup. However, great offense normally beats great defense. Oregon has a great offense. BCU has a great defense. I think Oregon squeaks by in a close one, though. I do, too. I think that experience inside the Pac-12 will just propel them just enough. And they have some experienced guys on that um, Oregon Duck roster. They've been here before. Dana Altman's led them to the Elite Eight, Sweet 16s. That'll be just enough. If you wonder how close this is, Ken Palm favors Oregon by one, yeah. 70 to 69. I go with Ken Palm. Oregon squeaks by, but this could be maybe the matchup of the first round. But I think it's going to be probably the most anticipated matchup, at least in my eyes. I'm very excited to sit down and watch this game. And lastly, the round off the West region here in the first round, two-seed Iowa, 15-seeded Grand Canyon, making their first-ever tournament appearance. Bryce Drew's first season at Grand Canyon. They are building a good tradition at this program. They've only been a D1 program for like four or five seasons now. Is there anything that Grand Canyon can do to, to slow down or negate Iowa? Luca Gaza, 30 and 11. He gets a double-double. No, no chance. Sorry. Completely agree. Iowa moves on. So we've got our second round set up here inside the West region. I think we both have Gonzaga, Missouri, correct? Correct. Again, very interesting matchup. Gonzaga, we've seen that their improvement in defense, but this is their first real test since probably early January. And this is no, no offense to BYU, but playing Missouri is not like playing BYU. Yeah. Missouri is gritty. You don't think that Conzo Martin won't have his Tigers up and ready to bang around and see if they can push around Gonzaga's uh, finesse type style. I guarantee you Missouri makes a game of this for a good while of it. Eventually Gonzaga, in my opinion, finds a way to stretch it out and pull away. But this could be, this will be Gonzaga's first test that we've had in months how will yeah. they how will they go against the physicality of guys like Jeremiah Tillman beating on you? How will they go against a, a tough, gritty guard like Drew Smith? This could be a very interesting one. And I could see, I'm not saying it'll happen, but if you told me somebody picked the upset here, I could absolutely see it because competition matters. And Missouri's a will be the more tough team on paper, at least. But Gonzaga, I think, like they have in the early season, finds a way to rise to the occasion. Um Putting it out there, I think Missouri at halftime will be – I think Missouri will lead going into halftime, but I think Gonzaga later in the game is going to pull away. They just got too much style – style. wow. They just got too much star power. Um, three of their guys, Jalen Suggs, Drew Timmy, and um, Corey Kiss with all ranked top 15 in the Wooden Watch or the Wooden Award. Just incredible. It's the first time since, I think, Duke in like 2000-something. So, incredible to watch. Very good team. I agree. I think the long layoff is going to hurt them a little bit. That's why I think Missouri will be up at halftime. However, Gonzaga, can, they control the second half. 
get up by, I think, by double-digit lead, by 10, 12 points, and they just coast the victory. Gonzaga moves on to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Uh, the next matchup we have different. I know. I have five-seed Creighton versus 13-seeded Ohio Bobcats. I think Ohio had enough in the style department to beat Virginia, but Creighton's too much alike them in ways, and they're bigger, and they shoot the three just a little bit better. Um, or at least at bigger points, I feel like Creighton has enough to negate Bob or Ohio here and moves on to a matchup with Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. My round of 32, I have number five seed Creighton taking on number four seed Virginia. Um, a guy like K.A. Clark, who's like 5'9", he's going to get after Marcus Zagorowski. He might not stop him completely. I think Zagorowski's still going to have about 15 points. Still going to have some big-time shots. But I think guys like Sam Howes is going to have a good game. Um, Lee Speakman coming off the bench. I think he's going to have a good game. Virginia has an underrated um, backcourt. I think Virginia moves on to the Sweet 16. Uh, still, their defense is obviously still pretty damn good, like it's normally every year. And it's also, I mentioned in the first round, they got a really good offense. So I think Virginia, it's going to be a close one. Um, this game, I could probably see another shootout in the 70s, maybe. Um, but I think Virginia moves on to the Sweet 16. The bottom part of this, this is a fun one right here. Six-seeded USC, three-seeded Kansas. Mm-hmm. We talked about Kansas will be at least the first game without Jalen Wilson. David McCormick's still in the, up in the air because he's got to pass all these COVID protocols. If he is not more so than Jalen Wilson, if David McCormack is not at 100%, USC runs away with it. I still think even if Kansas is full strength, I just favor Because you think about the teams that give Kansas problems this year. You look at Texas, even though they beat West Virginia once, but West Virginia beat them inside play guys who are physical and guys who could block shots and then guards who could get out and run and make some transition layups, hit some transition threes. This is USC's game right here. This is USC's game. I don't know if Kansas, a guy like David McCormack, because he struggled against Jericho Sims. He's struggled against Texas's bigs. He struggled against um, Derek Culver. I think a guy like um, Evan Mobley could eat up the Jayhawks. I actually have six-seeded USC um, upsetting three-seeded Kansas. It's a favorable matchup for them. I have the Trojans moving on to Sweet 16. If McCormick's not back, I think USC can pull off the upset. But if McCormick is back, I still think, um, even without Jim Wilson, I still think guys like Christian Brown's going to have a good game. He's going to be able to hit some shots. Harris coming off the bench, he's going to have a decent game. He's going to down defensively. Um, I still think Kansas will be a little bit too much. They got better guard play than uh, USC does. Even though they do have, like I said, a top three draft pick and Evan Mobley, who's probably going to have a double-double, I can see about 13 points, 11 boards in this game. I still think Kansas' backcourt is going to be too much, and Marcus Garrett, He's not going to let this happen. So I think Kansas moves on to the Sweet 16. Bottom part of this to round up the round of 32 in the West here, seven-seeded Oregon versus two-seeded Iowa. Peyton, I'll let you take first volley. Upset alert. I have number seven-ranked Oregon beating number two-ranked Iowa Hawkeyes and in Luca Garza's career, most likely, less for some reason he's like to come back next year. <laughs> um, I think this Oregon squad, I mentioned it, they're a top-20 offensive team shooting a high percentage from both inside the three-point line and outside. I just think if Iowa's too inconsistent for me on offense and their defense is not good either, they're too inconsistent on offense for my liking. Therefore, number seven-ranked Oregon goes to this week 16. Upset alert. 
think on it. I wanted to pick that so bad because <laughs> of Iowa. I wanted to pick that because Iowa's been so bad on defense. As good as they've been on offense, they've been equally and or worse as bad on defense. And a guy like Jordan Bohannon has been known to shoot them in games. And he's been known to shoot them out. How many games like with the Gonzaga game? They started making run with guards inside, and he takes four straight contested three-pointers. He's been known to fire up good ones and hit them and fire up bad ones. I think that could be huge in a team like Oregon who can just keep putting points on you, keep putting points. Can Iowa win a shootout? Yeah, they can. But should they try it? No, they shouldn't. Here's With the that, thing. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Here's the thing about that. I think it's going to be a shootout. It's just because how good offensive teams these teams are. But let's just go back in the past and this season so far. The Gonzaga game was pretty much a shootout. Gonzaga ended up beating them because Iowa does some good defense. And same thing about a couple of days ago, three days ago, when they played Illinois in the Big Ten tournament. Illinois is a very good, has a very good offense. And guess what? It was a, basically a shootout, and Illinois ended up beating them. So I still think good defense is garbage, has been all season, very lackluster. That's why I think Oregon gets the job done. I'm there with you. I am, but there's something about it. I think in the one for one game that they can shore up just enough possessions to get ahead by a couple points. I go Iowa in the slightest of margins, but I'm there with you. I promise you, I'm there with you. So that's we've got our Sweet 16 set in the West. What we're gonna do is we're gonna move on until we get all the Sweet 16 games set, and then we'll go back and talk Sweet 16 with you. Moving on to the next region. We have the South Region headline, but number one seeded Baylor playing, playing the 16 seeded Hartford. They used to be the Whalers. I don't remember what they are now. The Hawks, I think. Yeah. But they, I mean, this isn't a conversation, is it? Listen, Hawks, Whalers, Tigers. I don't give a shit what their nickname is. They're getting beat. Baylor's winning. Completely <laughs> agree. Yeah. It'll be over quickly because Baylor's not one to play around with you. Not at all. One probably the best backcourt in the nation. Not even close. Yeah, Baylor wins big. Now this one, we talked about the eight nine Oklahoma Missouri Peyton. Tell them what the eight nine in the South is. We got the two teams that beat the shit out of Louisville in the regular season. Uh, we got the eight seed North Carolina taking on the nine seed of Wisconsin. This game is going to be very very fun to watch. Uh, Wisconsin's ranked thirty second offensive efficiency. North Carolina's defense is ranked 15th. North Carolina's offense is ranked 53rd in offense efficiency, and Wisconsin's defense is ranked 13th. So pretty much both teams are as even as they can get. Uh, Wisconsin's offense is a little bit better than what North Carolina's is. But here's the thing that Wisconsin doesn't do very well. They don't dominate the gla- offensive glass like – There you go. There you yeah. go. North Carolina, which no surprise here, is a number one ranked team in offensive rebounding percentage. Um, 41.5 with the guys like Amano Burkett, um, Daylon Sharp coming off the bench, and guys like Garrison Brooks. They just dominate the glass. They beat you up inside, and that's what they've done pretty much all season, especially when in the ACC tournament, especially uh, the second half of the regular season. So, um, And for Wisconsin, they're like six and still percentage, but this game's tough. I like the way North Carolina has been playing here lately. I think North Carolina moves on to the second round. I think the Tar Heels get the job done and beat Wisconsin. See, this is a this is a very interesting game because I see a lot of similarities. Um, a few key differences, but a lot of similarities. Both big, both physical, both 
can struggle at times um, to get some kind of consistency going. But you're right, North Carolina leads the nation in offensive rebound percentage, getting 41% of their offensive shots back as a rebound for second, third, fourth opportunities. Defensively, 15th overall, but one area that concerns me is uh, three-point percentage. They are 214th in the nation, allowing teams to shoot almost 35% on them against a team like Wisconsin, who inverts their offense, who has bigs who can step out and pull on them and pull North Carolina's bigs away from the rim. That needs to be shored up in this game. You can't let Wisconsin start getting a roll on you. Very experienced Wisconsin team. But I think the offensive glass and the facts that North Carolina's big, it's a staple at North Carolina, especially Roy Williams. Bigs run the floor, guards hit them, get easy buckets in transition. I think that's the slight difference right there. Carolina wins, but this could be another juicy, juicy first-round matchup. Yes, sir. Here we go. 5-12-5 Villanova, 12 Winthrop. Do you want it first, or do you want me to break this one down? Nah, you take this one first. I called it when I first seen the bracket, and you can vouch for me on that one. I said Villanova's limping down the home stretch. They are limping into the NCAA tournament. They just unfortunately lost Colin Gillespie, which to me is their heart and soul of that team. Not necessarily the best player because that's Jeremiah Robinson Earl, but the heart and soul of that team, Colin Gillespie. They struggle. Then they showed it in the Big East tournament against Georgetown. They struggle on the floor without him. Winthrop is a dangerous team, 23-1 and one on the year, 35% from three, 50 or 53% inside the, the three-point arc. Turnover percentage on defense, they're 23rd in the nation, forcing teams 22.5% of defensive possessions end in a turnover. More importantly, non-steal turnover percentage, 11.8 puts them 33rd in the nation and steal percentage 10.7% of the time ends in a steal 58th in the nation. Basically what I'm getting at is Winthrop turns you over and they hit threes. That is a dangerous recipe for a team of Villanova who are without one of their key guys, one of their backcourt pieces, one of their centerpieces <clears throat> and the heart and soul, especially Villanova has been known to turn it over here a little bit. Also, Winthrop, 35.7% and offensive rebound percentage, 12th in the nation. We just talked about North Carolina. And on as far as keeping teams off the offensive glass, they're 23rd in the nation. Teams are only getting 22% of their offensive possessions in an offensive rebound. So they, they're a little undersized against most teams that they'll come up against, but they shoot the three well. They hit their basically their layups in mid-range. And they turn you over and they keep you off the glass while getting their own offensive rebounds. Dangerous matchup. I think unless JRE and they have at least one more guard from Villanova step up, this is a 12-5 upset written all over it. Take Winthrop in this matchup. If you're looking for an upset, Winthrop wins this in an upset. I mentioned I had a 12 over 5. That was my pick. And this is one of them. I agree. Winthrop beat, beats Villanova. Upset alert. Sign the day in the launch. It's going to happen. In the tournament, we always say, especially you, that you need great guard play. And a great guard play starts at the point guard position for me. Colin Gillespie being out is a huge, huge dagger to the Villanova squad. Even though they have still, they still have their best player, Jamal Robinson Earl, 
I just don't think losing a guy like Colin Gillespie who's the heart and soul of the team and the primary point guard is going to hurt a lot. Winthrop gets the second round upset. Moving on to the 413 matchup <laughs> in the South for Purdue Boilermakers 13 North Texas. I, I, I know some people are on the fence about this, but Peyton, the way Purdue's looked here in the last month and a half, the way they defend, they can get hot from three with themselves with guys like Eric Hunter and Sasha Stefanovich. I just don't see how Purdue loses this unless they, you know, do something silly and beat themselves. And don't forget about Trayvon Williams dominating down low. Yeah, without a doubt. I think Purdue moves on, but here's a funny thing about this. And I posted this in the Facebook group. Um, according to Ken Palm, the most one of the most experienced teams in the tournament is North Texas. One of the most least experienced teams in the tournament is Purdue. So that's kind of funny. I still think Purdue moves on now. So the little funny fact there, but Purdue gets a job done. Travion Williams is just too much for anyone in North Texas to handle, and they've been playing really, really good. Here. Don't forget about guys like two the freshmen, uh, Jaden Ivey and Zach Eady. <laughs> Zach Eady's seven three. Yeah. And uh, he's been playing very, very well here lately. Here's one moving on down that people can see a lot of upset in. Six-seeded Texas Tech Red Raiders versus the 11-seeded Utah State Aggies. I obviously, look at Texas Tech, Peyton. They defend at a high level. They have a superstar, Matt McClung. They have a great um, experienced rebounder, the guard or the transfer from uh, VCU and Marco Santos Silva. They have some pieces. They've been a little inconsistent in the Big 12. They haven't really beat any of the top-tier teams as far as Texas or any of them, but they're still a good enough ball club to, to you know, deserve a six seed. People look at Utah State, obviously tucking at-large bid. Um, they're eighth in the nation in defense. You know, they defend really well. Eighth in the nation in defense. Effective field goal percentage, they're 15 teams that are only shooting 45.6%. Um, they, as well as Winthrop, keep teams off the offensive glass. They're 15th in the nation in that. They're fourth defending um, two-point percentage or two-point field goals. They're fourth in the nation. They're seventh in the nation in block percentage. They have a star on the inside themselves, Nemias Cueta. So Utah State is a sexy upset pick. They lost in, the, in the, um, the Mountain West Championship to San Diego State. They are a sexy pick. Ken Palm has this a three-point game in the favor of Texas Tech. I think that's about right. I have Tech. But if you go with this upset, just keep in mind, Utah State defends just as well as Texas Tech, maybe slightly better this year. So this could be a good upset if you're on the fence about it. But I do think Texas Tech with Chris Beard, he's been here before, um, national runners-up two years ago, Mac McClung's a star. I think Tech has a little more um, maturity and a couple more pieces than Utah State does, and I think that could be the difference. But if you go with the upset, I'm not saying you're wrong. This will be a good one. I still think Texas – I mean, I can get why people are picking this upset. I just think Chris Beard and Texas Tech is going to move through. Um, because the guys you mentioned, they have a star player on Mac McClung. They got a good surrounding piece and Marcus Santos Silva from VCU, the transfer. And they also, they have some good wins this season as well. Let's not forget, they beat LSU. They swept Oklahoma in the regular season. And they also swept Texas as well. Oh, they do need um, to beat Texas. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And Texas ended up beating them in the Big 12 tournament. But still, they swept Oklahoma, beat LSU, and swept Texas in the regular season. So they still got good wins. I still think I'm a huge fan of Chris Beard, as I know you are as well. The defense is still good. No matter what, they got a decent offense, went 33rd. 
I think uh, Utah State is going to have trouble. They shouldn't even really been in this tournament, in my opinion, anyways. So, therefore, they're getting bounced first round. Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, moves on. Moving on down, three-seeded Arkansas Razorbacks versus 14-seeded Colgate. I got a little thing on Colgate. I know there's some people that think this could be an upset, and here's why, maybe. Okay, Colgate's only played like 16 games this year, but they're the second-highest scoring team in America at averaging 86.4 points per game, second only behind Gonzaga. They're 57% effective field goal percentage is fifth in the nation. Turnover rate... 13.7% of the time puts them fifth in the nation as far as keeping take care of the basketball. They shoot 40% from three. That's third in the nation. 55.4% from two, 18th in the nation. 26.1 points or 26.1 points as far as defending the three. That's the best in the nation. Teams only shoot 26% against them from three. And they have a star player, key man to look out for, Jordan Burns. He averages 17 points a game, 5.5 assists. But you also got to keep in mind, these offensive numbers are outstanding. The best defensive three-point – or best defense as far as defending the three in the nation. But they've only played like 16 games, all of them which is in conference. Arkansas, long, athletic. They were red hot before they got bounced um, earlier in or you know, semifinals of the SEC tournament. I wouldn't put too much stock in this. I can see why some people would be, you know, wanting to jump at the gun because of Colgate's, you know, putting up all these numbers and defending the three. But keep in mind who they played. They did not play one team outside their conference this year. They were one of those conferences that played all conference only. And I'm not negating them. I know it's still amazing to put up 86 a game and do all that. But you're playing an Arkansas team that is big and experienced and can get up and run and put uh, you know, points up in bunches. I just – I back off a little bit, but, you know, I do want to give Colgate a little love. But I see Arkansas all the way. I agree. I'm not going to get too much into this. Arkansas is just too tough, too talented, um, playing at a decent SD conference. Um Arkansas moves on. Next one, another good 7-10 matchup. Peyton, I'll let you take this one. The Kerry Blackshear game because we have two of his schools that he played for facing off. We got the seven seed Florida. The Florida Gators taking on the number 10 seed of Virginia Tech. Ken Baum has Florida winning this game 68-66 or 66-64. I couldn't actually see. I just exited out of that. But However, um, both of these teams are pretty much well-balanced. Virginia Tech's offense is ranked 55th. Uh, Florida's defense is ranked 37th. Going on to Florida's offense, they're ranked 40th, and Virginia's defense is ranked 54th. That's pretty damn even, as close as you're going to get for well-balanced teams for this game. Um, Virginia, Florida defends the three-ball really well, uh, only give up about 30.5% per game, which is ranked 29th in the nation, according to Ken Palm. Florida also on the free throw percentage. They're shooting 75.7%, ranked 40th. I think with guys like Trey Main, um, guys like Noah Locke and Scotty Lewis, I think that Virginia Tech, uh, even though they got a good player in Jalen Cone and Keith Aluma, I still think that Florida squeak passes this game. It's going to be a close one. I don't have a, I don't have a score prediction, but I still think Florida gets a job done. They should have too much talent. Uh, with guys like Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann, I mentioned as two phenomenal players. Uh, Florida moves on. Completely agree. I think a very interesting matchup. 
Um, you know, Mike Young always says his team's well prepared. They've completely overachieved as far as what anybody thought Virginia Tech would. They've been in and out of the top 25 all year. But if Florida gets guys like Colin Appleton, I think I think that's how you say his name, right? Appleton? I think so, yeah. Playing well, Trey Mann, uh, Scotty Lewis and company. I do agree with Florida moving on here. I do have the Gators as well. And finally rounding this out, number two, Ohio State, number 15, Oral Roberts. We mentioned earlier Oral Roberts has the leading score in the nation and Max Abrams averaging 24.2. But I don't think that's enough. Ohio State looks really good. They took, in my opinion, the best team in the nation right now, Illinois, down to the wire in the Big Ten Championship. And overtime, Ohio State's rolling right now. Ohio State has been a shock team to me because at the beginning of the year, I know they had some, they started off the year pretty well. And I still had my doubts, but they proved me wrong, and they're having a phenomenal look, like you said. Um, they're obviously, they're moving on to the second round. There's no question here. So, moving on to the round 32 in the south here. Peyton, I thought this was, could be go either way. I'm just being honest. Number one, Baylor. Number eight, North Carolina. Carolina's offensive uh, game, as far as getting on the backboard, could be problems for Baylor. But if there's one team well-equipped, deal with North Carolina's size, deal with North Carolina's speed in the front court, and just basically negate what North Carolina likes to do is Baylor. If you see, go back into the the regular season and even the ACC tournament, North Carolina struggled against teams like that, struggled against Texas, struggled against um, Florida State, much in the same mold as Baylor, and Baylor has a little better players than that. So I think although North Carolina could definitely pull the upset – I just don't see it. I got Baylor in the Sweet 16. I think Baylor um, by 10 points. I think North Carolina could give them troubles with their front court and how they dominate the offensive glass, number one ranked team in the nation, offensive rebound percentage. I just think when it comes down, we mentioned that, I just mentioned it a couple minutes ago, that when it comes down to the tournament, you need great guard play, and Baylor has the best backcourt in the nation. With guys like Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy O.T., and a guy like Mark Vital, who's a phenomenal defender. It's going to be too much for North Carolina to handle. Caleb Wells going to have a decent game, but he's still going to struggle. And Baylor moves on to the Sweet 16. Completely agree. We have the same matchup here in this one. Winthrop, 12 seed versus four Purdue. Peyton, I think Winthrop, again, the three-point percentage and steal percentage and everything, although Purdue does have trouble taking care of the basketball at times, I just feel like Painter's teams have gotten so much better at this time of year. They are so much bigger than Winthrop. And unlike Villanova, Purdue's inside game could just absolutely crush Winthrop unless they go to a zone, then things get interesting. But even then, I still see Purdue just getting off with the rebounds. Even if they don't shoot the well, shoot well, their offensive and inside post game and the way they defend is too much for Winthrop. Purdue onto the Sweet 16. Painters teams always defend the ball really well, and it's no different this season. They're a very good defensive team. Um, if they struggle to hit the three-point ball, then I can see Winthrop with their, their ability to hit shots, be able to pull off the upset. But I just don't think it's going to happen with Purdue's size and uh, inside game and their defense. They're moving on to the Sweet 16. Now we've got another juicy one, Peyton. I've thought about this one for a long time. Six-seeded Texas Tech, three-seeded Arkansas, Old Southwestern Conference foes. What you got on this one? 
Listen, you want a prediction? I'm going to give you one. Upset alert. Texas Tech moves on to this week. Six. The Red almost, Raiders gets the job done. I almost picked it. Why? It's because Mac McClellan goes off for 35 points. He is going to have a hell of a game. He's going to torch Arkansas's defense up. And I'm not saying Arkansas is not a good team because they're a very good team. I still think when it comes down to the tournament, Chris Beard is one of the best coaches in the nation. And he's going to get his guys ready to go for this guy. Get these. He's going to get his guys ready to go for this game. And he's going to motivate them. They're going to be ready to go through a brick wall. And Mac McConnell's going to go off in the tournament. He's going to have a really good game this in this game. And it's going to be a close one. But I still think he goes for 35 plus And Texas Tech moves on to the Sweet 16. Oh, I almost picked that one. This was one of them that kept me up for a long time. Just dissecting it. Are you talking about two really good ball clubs here? Um, you know, Arkansas's top 15 defense, top 40 offense, been getting up and down up until the loss to LSU had won nine games in a row in the SEC, as hot as anybody in the nation. Texas Tech playing inside of a very good conference, talking about sweeping Texas. Um, this is a this is a very good one. JD Note, Moses Moody, Jalen Tate, the Indiana transfer, Justin Smith, Desi Seals. The, how about 7-3 Connor Vanover that can pick and pop? He's known to hit a couple threes a game for Arkansas. You know, Texas, oh, my God, this, this just warms my heart. This will be so fun to watch. But I have Arkansas going through, I think, at the end of the day, I have too many pieces. And a guy like McClung, he can get you 20, but at the same time, he's been known to take a couple bad shots. Couple bad shots turn into long shots or long rebounds. Long rebounds turn into fast breaks. Arkansas is one of the best teams in transition in America. That's the difference in the game. Arkansas squeaks by Texas Tech to make the Sweet 16. I still have Wood Raiders going through. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm excited to watch it. I hope it happens. I'm hoping the predictions are correct that they get to match up in the second round. But yeah, I still think Texas Tech. Moving on to the Sweet 16. And then lastly in this region, this round of 32, seven-seeded Florida, two-seed Ohio State. Peyton, the rematch of the national championship in 2007. Um, both these clubs have a lot of potential and capabilities, but I, I, I got to go the Buckeyes. They are just – they're more proven than Florida because Florida can be inconsistent. Good Florida could beat Ohio State here. Now, let's not pretend they can't. Trey Mann, Scotty Lewis, we've already mentioned them. But Ohio State's really good on defense. They can score. How about Dwayne Washington playing out of his mind here lately? EJ Lydell. Ohio State goes through, beats Florida here. Listen, this isn't 2007. Florida doesn't have Al Horford. They don't have Joakim Noah. Who else was on that damn squad? Um, uh, I, can, I can picture him, man. Oh, and Corey most, Brewer. Yeah, Corey, Corey Brewer's on it. And most importantly, they don't have Billy Donovan. So, therefore, and obviously Ohio State don't have Greg Oden as well. But, therefore, I still think Ohio State's going to be too tough for Florida. Uh, guys like EJ Liddell and Dwayne Washington, who's playing his ass off, especially in the tournament, had a couple back-to-back 20-point games. Uh, gave Illinois a run for the money, sent them into overtime, had a good game in that game as well. Great player. He's having a good year so far, and he's going to continue in the tournament. He, they're going to be too much for Florida to handle. Ohio State, the Buckeyes, move on to the Sweet 16. Let's move down to the Midwest region real quick, where the number one seeded team is the fighting line. I have Illinois, Peyton, Iodon, Sumo, Compi plays 16, Drexel, not a ball game. Illinois, to me, is the best team in America right now. 
Illinois rolls. No argument for me, Illinois. Eight, nine could be a very fun one. Good defenses against each other. Loyal Chicago versus Georgia Tech. Who do you got? I mentioned one of the most experienced teams. I talked about North Texas. The most experienced team in this tournament is Georgia Tech. They have good guys. Um, Josh Passman is a good coach. They have a guy like oh, Jose Alvarado, who's a, who's a really good player, offense and defensively. I honestly think Loyal Chicago is going to actually get through. Um, and play Illinois in the second round. It's just me. I think Laura Chicago is going to be able to hit shots. And isn't Sister Jean going to be there as she'll well? She'll be there. She'll, she'll be, be there. there as well. Yep, she'll be there as well. And, yeah, Laura Chicago moves on in a close one. I think Georgia Tech is a good squad. I just don't think they have what it takes to move on to the second round. I think, although it could be a fun storyline in the second round, having Illinois play Loyal Chicago, you know, two in-state teams there and Sister Jean and all that comes with it. Porter Moser's built a great program at Loyola now. He's built them up from the ashes, essentially. Um, they're a good defensive squad, but Georgia Tech is elite defensively, and it starts with a guy like Jose Alvarado. Everybody who watched the ACC tournament title game against Florida State seen he just dominated Florida State. His hands are ridiculous. He had like six or seven steals. And then they had the ACC player of the year. They have the ACC player of the year, Moses Wright, They are knocking down threes. And I'm a firm believer in um, momentum. They win the ACC tournament title, Peyton. Give themselves in the tournament. I think momentum keeps them going here. They get a showdown in the second round with Illinois. Georgia Tech goes through. Next match. Next matchup, five-seeded Tennessee versus 12-seeded Oregon State. By the way, this is the orange. Yeah, I was laying a mission this is the orange region with all the damn orange teams in this bracket right here. But we have one ugly orange in Tennessee against another ugly orange in Oregon State. Oregon State's riding a nice little wave, stealing a bid from Louisville by yeah. winning their conference tournament. But they ha- they can shoot the ball. If you watch them in the conference tournament, they upset Oregon. They upset um, – oh, crap. Who was it? Oh, the upset Colorado in the yeah. Pac-12 championship by hitting threes in the first half in the title game it's Colorado they hit something like eight threes so Tennessee needs to be very very wary of that but the Vols even though they've underperformed at times you've seen against Alabama in the SEC semifinals that that's who Tennessee is they pushed Alabama to the limit and just didn't have enough at the end they are very experienced um they are well coached they defended a high level. They rebounded at a high level. Even though they might not have John Fulkerson for this game because of the facial injury, I still favor Tennessee going through it. But they must defend the three against Oregon State. I'm still very high on this Tennessee squad. I know a lot of people have written them off, uh, especially in the last couple of months, because they, like you said, they've underperformed. Uh, they should have been better. But, however, like you said, they gave Alabama one for the money. They could have ended up winning that game, but ultimately fell short. Uh, I'm with you. I mean, Oregon State's going to be able to hit shots, but I still don't know. I still think Tennessee's defense is good. Uh, they obviously had a good offense. Jaden Springer, great player to watch. And uh, I think Tennessee moves on with or without John Fulkerson. 4 13, and yet another interesting matchup. Four seeded Oklahoma State Cowboys, which thank God they're in because they deserve to be in. Um, 13 seeded the Liberty Flame Peyton. This could be a very interesting one, but very dangerous for Oklahoma State. You look at Liberty here, and I've got to pull up their, their scouting report here. Liberty, 
23 and five on the year. They have the 52nd best offense in Ken Palm, but fourth in effective field goal percentage, 19th in turnover percentage, which they take care of the basketball really well. They limit on defense, they limit teams from getting offensive rebounds. And then offensively, Peyton, they're shooting 38, almost will round up 39% from three, 10th in the nation. 57% inside the arc, ninth in the nation. Shoot free throws well, 78%. And non-steal turnovers on offense, 7%, puts them 10th in the nation. This is a very tough, and they're on a hell of a win streak right now. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11. They've won 12 in a row since their last loss. Again, and, and they've played some people this year too. They've lost them. They lost to Purdue beginning of the year they turn around beat mississippi state they beat south carolina lost to tcu and they also lost to missouri so they've played some top you know some pretty good d1 or um, you know power six school should i say they have experience being here this is one oklahoma state has to be very very cautious of defend the three but at the end of the day peyton oklahoma state has a player that nobody else in america has and cade cunningham We'll deliver the Cowboys to the next round. And people forget if you or maybe underestimate Oklahoma State, they will go to war. They don't care. They will play you tough and they will battle. They're not afraid of anything. Let's just look on Oklahoma State schedule. Um, they beat Texas, they swept Texas Tech, excuse me. Uh, beat Kansas, beat Arkansas. Um, okay, that was actually at Oklahoma State. So they still they beat Arkansas, they beat Texas in double overtime. I mentioned they swept Texas Tech, swept Oklahoma in the regular season. They watched they didn't sweep West Virginia, but they beat West Virginia twice this year, once in the regular season, and then in the Big 12 conference tournament. And also they beat Baylor to advance the Big 12 championship, and they ultimately lost to the Texas. But what a resume, very good wins. And you mentioned it, Kate Cunningham's the reason why they're moving on. He's just too good. He's the number one draft pick. At least he should be next season. He's going to be a centerpiece for whoever's franchise in the NBA. Uh, phenomenal player. I'm so thrilled that we get to see them in the tournament. Even though I think I lost to the appeal that men's Louisville would have took their place. But you know what? I'm not selfish. I wanted to see Kate Cunningham in the tournament. And I got my wish because we are. And I don't know if they're going to be. I still think they're going to be very good, and they're getting through the second round. Yeah, completely agree. Moving on to the next matchup in the region, six-seeded San Diego State, 11-seeded Syracuse, Peyton. I, again, believe in momentum. Syracuse, although they got beat on a buzzer beater by Virginia, they were starting to put it together in the ACC tournament. Remember, they've got a win over North Carolina this year. Um, And Buddy Bayheim in the ACC tournament – he put up three games of like almost 30 points. He's been red hot here lately. I believe in shooters like that zone against San Diego state They're, They have a 44th best offense in America. They shoot 37.5% from three, which could be key against the zone, but if they fall too much in love with it, it's not like they're getting a lot of offensive rebounds. They're 109th in the nation in that 29%, basically 30% of the time they're getting offensive rebounds. That could be key. Their defense is, 11th in the nation but for some reason I just ride momentum even though San Diego State is a good team they have a good win over UCLA at the beginning of the year they beat Arizona State 
you know, I, I maybe I'm crazy, but I'm going with the slight upset here. I'm going Syracuse as 11 seed in this one. I'm doubling down on that. Momentum is a real thing. Being high at the right time is a real thing, and Syracuse is hot right now. If it wasn't for Reese Beekman's game winner um, and ACC tournament, then they would have moved on. They would have beat Virginia. But Buddy, Buddy Bayon, you mentioned that. He's shooting the lights out right now, and I don't know. If, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. San Diego State, like you mentioned, is a good team, but I like the momentum that Syracuse is on. Um, Jim Beheim's a Hall of Fame level coach, and he's going to get the job done. He's going to get that zone locked in. San Diego State's going to have a tough time scoring the basketball. Syracuse moves on. Upset. Three versus 14 should be an easy one for the West Virginia Mountaineers as they play Moorhead State. Moorhead State's had a good year. Upset in a small way against Belmont. Um, good, good story for the the only <clears throat> Kentucky team in the state or in the, the state of Kentucky to make the tournament representing the Bluegrass State. But West Virginia just too physical, too much. Huggy Bear moves on to face an old rival in Syracuse in the second round. Yep, West Virginia moves on. Seven ten matchup. See seven Clemson, ten Rutgers, ACC Big Ten. Peyton, both these teams been inside the top twenty five. Both of them's had their good moments and bad, but you know, I I slightly favor Rutgers in this one. I I like Hart, Ron Harper Jr. I like how they defend. They are battle tested inside the best conference, and I, I favor Rutgers. So I go ten seated Rutgers in this matchup. You see, so does Ken Palm. By the way, Ken Palm has Rutgers beating Clemson as well, but I don't. I just think Clemson, even though Rutgers has played in a very good, the best conference in college basketball especially for this year, the Big Ten Conference, what, got nine teams in the tournament. Yeah. Um, incredible. They got a top 20-ranked defense and the nation ranked 18th. I think Clemson's not going to get the job done. I think Geo Baker for Clemson – oh, sorry, that's for Rutgers, excuse me. Rutgers has a good team. So does Clemson. Guys like Amia Sims is going to have a good game. I think Clemson is going to be too much for them. I think it's going to be close. I really do. I think it's going to be a close game. I could see Rutgers winning. I just think Clemson's going to get the job done. I just think in the Big Ten Conference, you see this year in and year out, they have very good teams in the, that gets into the tournament, but they beat each other up so bad in the conference that when it comes tournament time, they ultimately just not as good as they was in conference play. And I think we're going to see that in this game. Clemson moves on. Fair enough. Um, and then last in this region, we have two-seeded Houston versus 15 Cleveland State. <laughs> no offense to Cleveland State. I just – I don't see what they're going to be able to do to negate the three-headed monster of Houston. Um, and so I have the Cougars moving on. And fun fact, their first matchup when they play Cleveland State will be at an Assembly Hall, which brings back Kelvin Sampson to coach uh-huh. in Assembly Hall again. I think that's ironic and funny at the same time. Yep. I agree, though. Saying uh, Cleveland State doesn't have enough or doesn't have really anything. Excuse- no offense to them, just Houston, the 300 Monsters, just too. And real quick, shout out to Quentin Grimes. After his first year at Kansas, he had a really good game to start the year against Michigan State uh, the Champions Classic where he dropped 24 points um, against Michigan State. And then after that season, or after that season, he really didn't have a good year. Last season, he had a decent year, but this season, he's had he stepped up huge and had a really good year. Houston moves on to the second round. Yeah, comp- I mean, completely agree. Quentin Grimes, Marcus Sasser, Dejan Giroux, um, and even they've developed as a freshman, Tremont Mark. You know, they've got a good team. Fabian White, they've got a good team. Uh, they've got a real good team. 
down there in Houston. I still think slept on, even though they're a two seed. But moving on to the round of 32 in this region, number one, Illinois, versus number nine, Georgia Tech in mine. Although Georgia Tech, good defensively, ACC player of the year in Moses Wright. Love Illinois too much, Peyton. Not only is it Ayo Donsumu, but it is the development of the freshmen. The development of the freshmen. How about um, – oh, man, he, I just lost his name. I've tipped my tongue. Andre uh, Corbello. Thank you. Andre Corbello. How about inside how good Kofi Coburn's been in the paint? Illinois defends you. They score at will. They go on spurts. Uh, Illinois is too much. Uh, Illinois to Sweet 16. Illinois. Kofi Coburn's having a hell of a year. And obviously, A.D. Donsumer is one of the, the best closers in college basketball. Illinois is too much. Illinois moves on to the Sweet 16. What you about in this next matchup? Five versus four here. This could be a fun one. But I hope this matchup happens because, wow, this is going to be a fun game to watch. Um, like you said with Oklahoma State, they never back down. They will go to war if they have to. And this is a game they're going to have to go to war. But ultimately, I am very high on this Tennessee squad. I still think they have what it takes to even cut the nets down. I think Tennessee squeaks past Oklahoma State in an absolute shootout. Kate Cunningham's going to have a really good game like he has done all season long. But Tennessee has too much talent, too much experience. Tennessee moves on to the Sweet 16. Paint touches are going to be the difference in this game. I agree with you. Tennessee wins. I hope in this matchup that at some point we see Eves Ponds match up on Cade Cunningham. Last year's SEC Defensive Player of the Year versus um, Cade Cunningham could be outstanding to watch. 11-seeded Syracuse, three-seeded West Virginia, old Big East rivals, Peyton. Can West Virginia crack the mystery of the 2-3 zone? Yes. I think guys like Derek Colvin, inside's presence, is going to be – it's, he's going to be a force down low for Syracuse. Uh, they're going to have trouble containing him. Um, even though Buddy Bayhound is probably going to have another good game because he's been shooting the lights out like we mentioned before. I still think West Virginia, this is a squad that can get to the Final Four if all the pieces um, align correctly. And we got, uh, they got a superstar in Derek Culver, an NBA prospect. Um, even if they had Shebley, I still think West Virginia wins, but they don't. West Virginia still wins. doesn't matter. West Virginia moves on. Completely agree. Rounding it out, 10-seeded, for me, Rutgers versus two-seeded Houston. I like this Rutgers team. Their run goes out, even though they defend well. Houston on to the Sweet 16. I have seven-seed Clemson facing two-seed Houston. Houston moves on. Okay, over real quick to the East. Number one-seeded Michigan will wait to play the winner of the playing game between Mount St. Mary's, Texas Southern. Doesn't matter. Michigan dominates, moves on. Agreed. Michigan moves on. Eight nine LSU versus uh, nine seeded St. Bonaventure. St. The Bonnies have won the the Atlantic Ten uh, championship. Very underrated squad. But Peyton, we've seen the real LSU show up in the SEC tournament championship. They almost knocked off Alabama. LSU is starting to put it together. Very experienced, or very talented team, should I say? Trenton Watford is going to be out for revenge for missing that potential game winner in the championship. LSU wins this one. Yeah, LSU almost pulled off the victory, but almost only counts. And let me see if I can get this right. Horseshoes and hand grenades. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. It's not horse grenades and hand shoes. What the hell I said last time. Um, (laughs) But St. Bonaventure, top 20 in defense, top 40 in offense. They only give up 30.8% from the three-point line. I'm actually picking the upset. I think St. Bonaventure. 
St. Bonaventure on, beats LSU. I like Cam Thomas. I do. I really like him. He's having a really good year. I just think St. Bonaventure is going to upset them. Oh, okay. Okay. How about this one then? 5-12, Colorado versus the red-hot Hoya Paranoia Georgetown. Patrick Ewing's got his team red-hot beating the lights of Providence, Seton Hall, and Villano- or Villanova and Creighton to, to go on the four-game magical run inside the garden to get a tournament bid. Peyton, Colorado, Georgetown, I go with the red-hot team, the Hoyas, the Hoyas, the Hoyas. Their defense has been key in these ball games. You look at their, their win streak over those four games. Or sorry, they beat Marquette. I said Providence. They beat Marquette, Villanova, Seton Hall, and Creighton. But in those four games, they held teams to 41, 71, 58, and 43, and some high scoring offenses, too. You, you, Kordas Wahab has been on fire. They're big and experienced. Tell me why I shouldn't take Georgetown for the upset because I'm in. Hoya Paranoia is back. I know I said momentum matters and how getting hot at the right time matters, and that's why I picked Syracuse over um, San Diego State. This was very, very tough for me, but I'm a huge fan of McKinley Wright from Colorado. I think the Buffaloes move on to the second round, and a very, very close one. Might go in overtime, might go in double overtime. I don't know. It's going to be close as you can get. Colorado Barely squeaked by into the second round. Okay. Four seed to Florida State, 13 seed to UNC Greensboro. If the Seminoles are not careful, they could be on upset alert because Greensboro has a playmaker and a superstar in Isaiah Miller. He's a 20-point scorer per game, but I don't think him alone will be enough. Florida State's defense, Peyton Scotty Barn, is a stud as a freshman. Defense, rebounding, the typical Florida State, beat you down, grind you out style, wins this ballgame. Scotty Barnes, MJ Walker, Raquan Gray, they're shooting 39% from the three-point line, which is ninth in the nation. Top 10 offense, top 50 defense. They got size, athleticism. And Little Hamilton's one of the most underrated coaches in college basketball. Florida State gets the job done, moves on to the second round. Completely agree. Now, here's a very tricky one. I think BYU got screwed in this one. Six-seeded BYU uh, plays the play-in winner between – how about this for a play-in? <laughs> <laughs> Michigan State and UCLA. Oh, That's like a final shit. four just by namesake. Yeah. They got to play on Thursday, tomorrow evening. Michigan State, UCLA. I think the winner of that regardless gets by BYU, which by – if you're wondering, I have Michigan State. I, yeah, I think Michigan State actually beats UCLA, but yeah, UCLA, if UCLA wins or Michigan State wins, they're moving on to the second round. Poor BYU and poor Matt Holmes. I'm sorry, but you're not getting the job done, no matter who you face. Yeah, that's just a that's a rough one. Um, Three-seeded Texas and all their bigs and glory. Shaka Smart's had a tremendous bounce-back year for Texas versus 14-seeded Abilene Christian. Real quick on Abilene Christian. I know people say keep an eye out on Abilene Christian here. A couple key stats here. They're 30th in the nation in defense, 12th in effective field goal percentage defense, the number one turnover percentage team in America, fourth in steal percentage, 13% of the time they get a steal, 13.6% of the time they get force you in just a, a turnover, which would be an out of bounds, a double dribble or something, second in the nation. Their defense is outstanding. They're 21st in the nation in shooting the three at 38%. 
the size of Texas was going to give them problems and all the playmakers, but must be careful because a team like this that defends and shoots the three are problems for anybody, especially early. If this game is 30 minutes in and it's within two, three, four, five points, Texas might start to sweat a little bit, but I do have the Longhorns winning. Texas goes to seven versus 10 in this region, UConn versus Maryland, a pair of former champions hooking it up. Really a Maryland surprising season. UConn, in my opinion, underachieved. I think this is a toss them up, pick them up. I've got Maryland. I just think them playing in the Big Ten will benefit them more. Maryland wins. I honestly flipped a coin on this and the landing on – I flipped a coin three times because I honestly had no clue how I wanted to pick. Um, I picked it three times and it landed on UConn twice, so they're looking at it good those two. Final first-round matchup we talk about in this tournament, number two seed Alabama, the SEC regular season and conference tournament champs. 15 seed, the Iona Gales, Rick Patino back in the NCAA tournament. Like I told you, if you don't think that Rick Patino is going to draw something up and have this team ready to go, you're out of your mind. Alabama is the better team that's going to win this game. But if you think that for 15, 20 minutes of this game, the Iona is not going to either lead or be very close, you're out of your mind. Patino's that good. He will find a way to slow down Alabama for a while. But at the end, Alabama just too much. I tell you what, I think uh, Iona will be leading this game at halftime. Then Alabama ultimately win this game because, like you said, they shoot the three ball way too. Um, they shoot three ball really well, and they're a very good team, obviously. So I think obviously they're the better team, and they're going to move on. But I tell you what, man, you can call me crazy all you want. If Iona played any other two seed, whether it was Iowa. Maybe not Ohio State, whether it's Iowa or Houston. I honestly might have picked Iowa to go through. Same here. I'm especially if they played Houston. I think that would have been the better matchup. But the Alabama's a, the worst one. Yeah, they're playing a very good Alabama team who can hit the three ball really well. Alabama moves on. But it's glad to see Slick Rick back in the tournament. Peyton, are you ready for the first number one seed to go out of this tournament in the round oh, of 32? I almost picked this one. Son of a match. Why didn't I? How about how about this one? Without Isaiah Livers, if he's not back for the second round game, I know Hunter Dickinson down low, but Peyton, LSU, I just talked about them, how they're turning it on. They played Alabama tough. Trendon Watford, Cam Thomas, Javante Smart. This is a good LSU team. They don't defend all the time well, but when they do, their offense can put up 80, 90, 100 points in a hurry. Without Isaiah Livers, I just don't know if Michigan can go through. So I'm going with the hot-handed team. LSU takes down our first number one seed in the NCAA tournament in the round of 32. LSU over Michigan. I have one seed Michigan taking on nine seed St. Bonaventure, and I swear to everything that I love, I almost picked St. Bonaventure with the upset. But I, even though they missing out on Isaiah Livers, I Hunter Dickinson's having a hell of a freshman year. He's going to have a, probably a double-double in this game, and Michigan still has firepower, and Michigan's going to move through to the Sweet 16. I have 12-seed Georgetown versus 4-seed Florida State. This is where the Hoya paranoia runs ends. Good job on Patrick Ewing. Nothing to be ashamed of, but Florida State's just too physical. I, Georgetown can match up with some size, though, but guard play ultimately and then the versatility of guys like Scotty Barnes that we mentioned, Raekwon Gray, and all of them. Florida State to the uh, Sweet 16. I have five seed Colorado taking on four uh, 
four seed Florida State. Florida State, their ability to hit shots, their size, and they got really good players like Scotty Barnes. Um, Florida State moves on to Sweet 16. Now we had 11 seed, which we said is either Michigan State or UCLA. I went ahead and said Michigan State versus three-seeded Texas. This could be a very interesting one, especially if it's Michigan State. Um, you know how Izzo is devising game plans up and his team's in March. But Texas, man, you got to feel good for Shaka. They are big. They shoot the ball well. They defend well. Texas on to the Sweet 16. Yeah, uh, Texas with Coleman, Courtney Lamey, Jericho Sims, Greg Brown. They just got too much. For either one of these teams, whether UCLA or Michigan State, uh, I'm, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Michigan State. Texas moves on. Then I have 10-seeded Maryland versus two-seeded Alabama. Peyton, the Terrapins saying no chance hardly against Alabama's firepower. I have number 17, UConn versus Alabama. No chance in hell Alabama loses this game. So our Sweet 16 is set. Real quick, we will just go through, get down to our final four. Start back up in the West. I have one-seed Gonzaga versus five-seeded Creighton. The run for the Creighton Blue Jays and Marcus Zagorowski ends here. Although they can score, they won't be able to defend as well against Gonzaga. The Zags onto the Elite Eight continue to chase history. I have one seed Gonzaga taking on four seed Virginia in a rematch from the regular season where Gonzaga absolutely blew them out. This is going to be a little bit different tale of the game than it was in their first matchup. Gonzaga's still going to win, but they're not going to whoop that ass like they did the first matchup. Gonzaga's offense is just too much, even though – Virginia's offense has improved drastically since their first matchup. Virginia still doesn't have the firepower that um, Gonzaga has. Um, Gonzaga moves on to the uh, eight. In the other Sweet 16 matchup, I have six-seeded USC versus two-seeded Iowa. Remember USC upset Kansas. They're doing it again to Iowa, Peyton. I just feel like there's too much. We talked about Iowa does not defend that well. USC can put up numbers and their bigs. Ivan Mobley and Isaiah Mobley will make Luca Garza run the floor and tire out by happening to chase them and defend. Difference in the ball game. USC on the upset to meet Gonzaga in the lead eight. I have three seed Kansas taking on seventeen Oregon. This is going to be another tough matchup for Kansas. Um, Oregon can shoot the ball really well from inside the three point line and outside, like I mentioned in their second round matchup. It's Iowa. But this is where Oregon's run ends. Kansas has a very good defense, has a good defense, and uh, Kansas moves on. With a final four berth on the line, the winners of the West division or the West region: one seed Gonzaga, six seed USC. USC, I think this would be so much fun to watch Evan Mobley and company go up against the firepower of Gonzaga. But at the end of the day, Gonzaga has too much, and we we've talked about. Drew Timmy and Corey Kispert and Jalen Suggs, but we have not mentioned the X factor, Andrew Nimhart off the bench, or a guy like Joel I. Gonzaga finds a way, although I think USC keeps it very close, closer than what most people would predict. Gonzaga, still chasing history, finds himself in the final four. I have one seed Gonzaga and taking on three seed Kansas. Another rematch from actually the first game of the season, Gonzaga versus Kansas. Gonzaga ended up dropping 100 points on Kansas and ended up beating them by, like, I think, 12 points. Um, just like the Virginia game, it's going to be a lot closer than that. I think Kansas will give them a run for the money for about 36 minutes of the game. Then Gonzaga is going to squeak out another one like they did in the first matchup. 
Gonzaga continues chasing history, like you said, moves on to the Final Four. And real quickly, I actually had Kansas beating Gonzaga. And I just switched it about 15 minutes ago as we were recording. Because I think Gonzaga, too much firepower. Jalen Suggs having a phenomenal year. Corey Kispert, Drew Tammy, and not to mention Andrew Nemhart as well. Um, too much for Kansas to handle. Uh, Kansas runs in. Gonzaga keeps chasing history. Moves on to Final Four. Let's find out what happens in the South region. <clears throat> we move to the Sweet 16 matchup. I had, I think maybe you have it as well. One seed Baylor, four seeded Purdue. This is I stayed up forever debating this one. My heart so badly wanted to say Purdue pulls the upset here because if you're talking about physicality and you're talking about defense, Purdue matches up with Baylor almost as anybody or as well as anybody in America. You watched when Kansas upset Baylor and you watched with Oklahoma State. They got after them. They were very physical, and they hit threes. That is Purdue's game. I want to predict Purdue so bad, but I think it'll come down to a final possession, and it comes down to a final possession, Peyton. Jared Butler's cold <clears throat> as ice. Baylor in a close – think as close and as good as game as we got two years ago, Purdue versus Virginia. I can see that playing out the exact same way almost. Baylor squeaks by Purdue. This was easy for me. Um, no offense to Purdue fans. Uh, pretty damn good team. Has a chance of competing with Baylor, but I still think Baylor way too much for Purdue. Baylor moves on to the lead eight. The other Sweet 16 matchup in this region, we have three-seeded Arkansas, two-seeded, or I do anyways, three-seeded Arkansas, two-seed Ohio State. This might come as a, smite, a slight surprise. But Arkansas's offense could be too much for Ohio State. I go Razorbacks in a slight upset. I have six seed Texas Tech taking on two seed Ohio State. Um, Mac McClung and no run ends. Phenomenal year. Had some really good wins this season. But Ohio State's been red hot. Gave, like I said, gave Illinois one for the money. They could have won that damn game. Um, Ohio State moves on to the final or to Elite Eight. So I have Baylor, one seed, versus three-seeded Arkansas. And old, again, another Southwest Conference rivalry from back in the day. And then it's this time the Baylor Bears get to Scott Drew's first ever. And Baylor – well, no, it's not Baylor's first, but Scott Drew's first ever Final Four appearance. Baylor, been good all year. Makes it back to the final four for the first time and since like 1940 or 19, whatever it is, 1939 or 40. Or it's been a long time. We'll put it that way. I have one seed Baylor taking on two seed Ohio State. Pretty much literally just held chalk through this region, um, the South region. Uh, I think Baylor, I, Baylor goes through. Baylor gets to their gets to the final four. I, I just don't think anyone in this region can really give Bay. I know they lost to Oklahoma State. I know they lost to Kansas. I still think Baylor is one of the best teams in the nation I have all year round, and it doesn't change here. Baylor moves on to the final four, wins itself. Moving down to the Orange region, uh, <laughs> or otherwise known as the Midwest region, I have one-seeded Illinois, five-seeded Tennessee. I know this will be a, a struggle because Rick Barnes, he'll have a week to prepare for Illinois' high-powered offense. But people forget and just how good Illinois has been on defense as well. And at the end of the day, they have something that Tennessee does not, and that is not only better guard play, but they have arguably maybe the national player of the year in some people's eyes, 
Ayo Donsumu, Peyton Donsumu, Corbello, the freshman Miller and company move on to the Elite Eight? I have, like you said, I have one seed Illinois taking on five seed Tennessee. And this is very, very tough for me because I really like this Tennessee squad. But also, Aiden Schumer is a hell of a player, the best closer in college basketball. Quite possibly could be, I think, the top three. He's definitely in the top five, top three, probably the best college basketball players in the nation right now. That's a very good chance of winning um, the player of the year. I have money on Tennessee making the Final Four. I'm picking Tennessee barely. I know that's an upset. I know it's going to surprise a lot of people, but I still think Tennessee has what it takes to get to the Final Four. Um, and they're moving on to the lead eight. So, Wow. Okay. Okay. And then the other one, I have three-seeded West Virginia, two-seeded Houston. Peyton, West Virginia's defense will be too much as far as their physicality on the inside for <laughs> Houston's three-headed monster at guard. West Virginia and Huggy Bear moves on to an Elite Eight matchup with Illinois. Yep, I have the same thing. West Virginia beating Houston going into the was it Elite Eight, Final Four. After yep. So with a, a Final Four berth on the line, one seeded Illinois, three seeded West Virginia, a tremendous matchup. Both looking to get to the Final Four. Both looking for a rematch in my scenario with Baylor. But you know, keep in mind Baylor beat both of them. Um, but I just I think Illinois' best team in America right now, and I'm rolling with them. I think guard play at the end is too much because they can hit threes more so than West Virginia can produce points. That's the difference. Illinois off to the Final Four. I have five seed Tennessee taking on three seed West Virginia. Uh, I kind of always said that I have money on Tennessee making the Final Four, and that doesn't change here. Tennessee gets to the Final Four. Last region to decide a final fourth berth. I have eight seeded LSU, four seeded Florida State, Peyton. Physical game, um, athleticism galore, but I think LSU is just red hot and they can score the ball. We've seen what, you know, athleticism does to Florida State when Georgia Tech did it. And Cam Thomas on a mission, LSU to the Elite Eight. I have one seed Michigan taking on four seed Florida State. This is going to be a fun matchup to watch Florida State's bigs go against uh, Hunter Dickinson. Um, with or without Isaiah Livers, I honestly think Florida State is a very underrated squad. I think Florida State moves on and gets to the lead eight. The other elite, the last elite eight matchup, three seeded Texas, two seeded Alabama. What a matchup this will be. Defensive minded teams, but both with. High-powered offenses, Texas's length and inside play versus Alabama's ability to spread you out. I think at the end of the day, Alabama's ability to go on spurts like we've seen in the championship against LSU, like we've seen in the SEC semifinals when they're down to Tennessee. All of a sudden, you blink, and they went on a 15-2 to run. That's the difference. Alabama sets up a rematch with LSU for a final four berth on the line. Oh, man, this game is going to be so, so good. Alabama can shoot the ball very, very well. I got the same matchup as you, obviously, Texas versus Alabama. Um, ah, Matt Coleman the third is legit as it comes. He is a baller. He's had 30-point games. He hit the game winner against North Carolina um, early on in the season. Ice in his veins, phenomenal player, alongside Courtney Ramey, alongside Greg Brown, alongside Jericho Sims. Shocker Smart still got a chip on his shoulder. He's been here before with a lesser team as a VCU squad. Texas moves on to face Florida State. 
And then the last Final Four spot up for grabs, we have a rematch of the SEC Tournament Championship, LSU versus Alabama. Can Alabama make it four wins this season over LSU? Doesn't happen often, and I think it does again. LSU just, again, finds a way to come up just short. And remember, there's a little beef now between Will Wade and Nate Oates. (laughs) Yeah. But I, I just, I'm riding it. And any team that we've seen a couple years ago, any team that can defend and any team that can shoot the three wins in March right now, Alabama is that prototypical team. Alabama off to the final four. For the last final four both, I got four seed, four state taking on three seed Texas. Texas, Jericho Sims, he's going to have a tough time getting past him and Greg Bowers going to have a tough time getting past Florida State's size and athleticism. Florida State defends the ball really well. And they're top 10 and uh, three point percentage, like I mentioned, shooting 39% from three. Florida State gets to the final four. Our final four is set in the first semi national semifinal. I have one seeded Gonzaga, two seeded Alabama. Gonzaga, just like Kentucky in 2015, chasing undefeated history, trying to catch 1976, the Indiana Hoosiers in the state of Indiana, in Indianapolis, like Kentucky did. And much like Kentucky did, we'll run out of gas to the two-seeded Alabama Crimson Tide. Alabama pulls a shocker, hits 14 or more threes to do it. But Alabama goes to the national championship to play for their first men's title and try to make it one of the only few programs to win men's national championship and the college football national championship in the same season, Alabama upsets Gonzaga. I have one seed Gonzaga versus four seed Florida State. Gonzaga, like you said, pretty much everything you said, the unfair, the chasing history in Indianapolis. This is the tough game. Gonzaga's all season. They've played tough-ass teams, the undefeated for a reason. They're the number one ranked team in the nation. They have been all year round for a reason. Three-headed monster in Jalen Suggs, uh, Drew Timmy, and Corey Kispert alongside. They got a great uh, player in Andrew Nimrod as well. They face teams who's been very defensive-minded, like a team like Virginia. They face teams who's had size like West Virginia. They face teams who could score the basketball like in Iowa, but they never face a team who can do all three at the same time. Florida State has size, they can defend, and they can hit shots. Florida State upset. Leonard Hamilton gets to the national championship game. Oh, son, Florida fire State me up for it. Job. Force me into it. Job done. Talk me into it. And then the the other national semifinal, number one seed Baylor versus number one seed Illinois in a rematch from the almost the very same spot. You remember earlier in the year they played in Indianapolis, but it was over at Bankers Life Fieldhouse. Very good game that Baylor pulled away late in. This is a different Illinois team. Baylor's experienced some loss since then. Illinois red hot. Peyton. It'll be fun watching Jared Butler and Macy Oteague versus Don Sumu and versus Corbello. But not only is Don Sumu the star playing well, but Kofi Coburn down low is a man among men or man among boys right now, should I say. He's going out and getting 20 and seems like 13 every night. He's improving his free throw percentage. And Baylor doesn't really have anybody 
to negate that. Now, will they go zone in this matchup? Probably a little bit to slow it down. But also the confidence in the freshman Andre Corbello, the heir apparent to Aodon Sumer for the next three to four years in Champaign. Illinois comes up big, goes to the national championship, chasing their first title and first appearance in the national championship since 2005, setting up my favorite matchup of the season, Alabama versus Illinois. My final four matchup, my second one, to face Florida State in the national championship game. I got that number one I got number one seed Baylor taking on five seed Tennessee. Tennessee, you've done a good job getting to the final four. You got to you put a lot of people wrong and get to the final four. And plus, you made me some decent money. So thank you for that. But however, you run into a buzzsaw against Scott Drew's Baylor team, who I thought all year round was the best team in the nation. Baylor gets to the national championship. This is a game, my national championship, I've been begging for for what now a month. Um, two seed Alabama, one seed Illinois, both chasing their first national championships. It comes, just picture it with me. Close your eyes. Okay. Final possession, 10 seconds to go. Alabama is up 82-81, Illinois' ball. Illinois puts the ball in the hands of Ayo Donsumu to go make a play. Clock's ticking down. Donsumu drives it, pulls up for a 17-footer about the free throw line. A few steps back, actually. Game winner. It's Chris Jenkins from Villanova all over again. Shot goes in, buzzer goes off. Illinois national champions, 83-82. Oh, my God, what a fun game this will be. That, and Travis Cameron goes wild. He probably gets – he's probably happy. He'll, pro- he'll probably have that. a hard on the whole time. Yeah, he probably would. <laughs> um, I could see that happening if Illinois ends up getting past Tennessee, which obviously you have Tennessee winning that game. Um, my national championship game, though. Four seed Florida State versus number one seed Baylor. This game's going to be fun for the majority of the game, but Baylor, the best backcourt in the nation. I've known a lot of people say, well, obviously, all year round, Gonzaga's been the number one team in the nation. They've been undefeated. But I, would, anytime anybody asks, was my dad, you, people in the group, I've always said I thought Baylor was the favorite heading into the tournament. I've always said that Baylor was the best team in the nation, and it doesn't change here. Scott Drew gets the job done for the Baylor Bears. 82-73. Only reason I'm picking the scores is because my dad is in a NCAA bracket pool, and 2-3 and three is his numbers, and he'll win some decent money if that happens. So 82-73. Scott Drew gets it done. Baylor, national champions. You actually might want to flip that. It's 3-2. and two. I'll do that real quick. <laughs> 83. 72. Commit picks. Yeah, he'd be pissed. Be like, motherfucker, I don't need two and three. Well, three and two. So, one point difference. Okay. Baylor, 83. Florida State, 72. Oh, my God. But that's that. I know this podcast is long. It is every year we do it. But we have a lot to break down. Thank you guys for joining us for episode 81. This will be one of our big, probably our biggest one. Definitely this year. Should go right there with the all-time ones. We hope you guys enjoy it. This is our favorite time of the year. We did not know at the start of this year if we could make it. We're finally here. I hope you guys enjoy it. The madness, I know fire the first four is tomorrow night or today if you listen to this on Thursday. 
But really, the madness begins on Friday. I hope you guys have the opportunity to sit down and watch these games. There's going to be a lot of fun ones. And take it for what we give you here and our tips and tricks and insights. And just remember, anything happens in a one-game scenario. That's why the March Madness Tournament is the most exciting thing in all of Without a doubt. I love other sports. I love the World Cup. Gets me excited every four years that it's played. Um, I love the NFL playoffs. Not really the biggest NBA fan, but I know a lot of people love the NBA playoffs as well. Stanley Cup, if you're a hockey fan, you love Stanley Cup. This is not comparable. No debate. March Madness is the best thing year in and year out. It gets me the most excited. March is the best year. Um, It's time. I know I'm doing Dame, Damian Lillard's thing, but it's time. Um, it's time. March Madness tips off. Ah, didn't get it last season. We're getting it this season. I am ready to go. Get your brackets done. You have it till tomorrow, Thursday, to get your brackets in, get your uh, money paid and everything. It, it's go time. Absolutely. So thank you guys again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy the episode. Lee- Feedback, either positive or negative, underneath the show. If you like what you listen to and you're a new time listener, obviously go ahead and leave us a five star review on iTunes and um, or wherever you listen to this show at, and let people know about us. Share us is the best way you can let people know. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. It's finally March. Enjoy the madness. We'll come back with you after the Sweet 16 is set next week to break down all the action that happened in the first two rounds and talk about previews for the Sweet 16 and beyond. But to wrap to episode 81 up, I am Josh Burton. My name is Peyton Burton. We will see you guys in the Sweet 16.